Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. All right, today we're talking about cars. And we've been, cars? Cars. We've been laughing about this, but it, buying a car is such a different experience. Than I hate buying cars. That's right. I think most people do. You think, you picture this, you know, this is maybe 10 years ago. You you pull up to a lot. There's a thousand cars on the lot, whether they're used or new. Uh, you and your spouse are just, you, you get out. The radar, as soon as you cross a line, here comes the here comes the person after yep. you. So you walk out and you're looking at the red one and you look at the blue one and then up comes somebody and says, "It's like a shark." Yeah. How can how can I help you today? <laughs> and the feeling that most people I think historically have had there is a little bit of, "Oh no, they found me," or how, "What are they going to do to you know get a deal over on me?" Uh, it's not a great feeling, and all the more when you go to a used car lot. Um, you feel like someone's going to give you, oh, this is the one you want. And that's the lemon that they couldn't get off the lot. And right. so it's kind of like a, a buyer beware feeling. Um, and I think some people that enjoy that, they, they like the sparring and I'm going to get the deal. There's others that uh, just dread that. And because of that, I think it drives some people to new cars just to say, well, again, I think, one. I think the whole fear and intrepidation of stepping into that environment, whether it's a used car or a new car the buyer feels vulnerable, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. When you know, I mean, candidly, so many things about this, you know, when you walk in there, that salesperson does this all day long. Right. They maybe do it 20 times a day for <laughs> every day. Um, and this might be, you buy a new, new car every, what, five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, it depends how long, two years, depends how long you keep your cars. Um, but, you know, they have a superior knowledge. They have superior experience. They know what the profitability is. They, yeah, they know how much they're actually going to make in the car. They have, they have all the numbers, right? Not just that one. They know the financing. They know what they spent on the car. Right. They know some details. So you're you're walking into a relationship in which there's a, a power structure that's different, but you have the money. You know, you're here to make a choice. And Again, I, I I always want to hear the the Jaws theme. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> if you want to, because <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, you're going to end up losing a leg. <laughs> yeah. So what we're talking about today is not not ten tips how to buy a car, but we're talking about how just the car buying has changed. Well, I mean, the whole inventory has changed. Yeah. There's so so we have we have a number of things how the the physical process has changed and also just what exists. So let's start with that. Well, I, again, I think COVID. Uh, it changed so many businesses and it's had everybody kind of take a look at the delivery of their product. You know, we've all heard about the supply chain issues and everything else because of COVID and, and the chips and everything else. But more importantly, what car manufacturers have been able to look at through COVID is that they realize, wait a minute, we're supplying too many cars. We're putting out way too much inventory out there. So what you're seeing is the number of cars that look alike are going to be, that's where they're going to concentrate on. If you want something different, mm. if you want a different color or different options and such as that, the dealerships or the manufacturer saying, fine, we'll give that to you. But most likely you're not going to find that on the lot. Yeah. You're going to, have to pay more for it and you're going to have to wait. Yeah. So inventory is, is not out at the, at the dealerships. Right. It is still at the factory. Almost a more lean 
product. You know, the 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 chips and the fenders and the wheels are all still at the factories. Right. And there's you know the push out. So a, a example being a car dealership that maybe had 300 cars, 200 cars on the lot might be down to 50 cars on the lot. Right. And there's one of the model you might want, but if you want it in red, if then- you want a white Camry four wheels, <laughs> you know, no, no luxury cloth seats. You're probably going to find that car. Yeah. It's probably sitting there, but if you want it, something very specific, it's not there. So the, 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 the you call it slim pickings, call it whatever, but they're not going to have the car that you want on the dealership. So you're probably gonna have to order it. You probably sit down with the sales representative and order the car and you're going to get it. In a and you're going to pay more for it. Yeah. Ooh, that's the because next one. Now, because now it's not as though they have 10 of the same kind of cars on the lot. That they want to move. They got zero of those cars yep. on the lot. So yep. you're going to end up paying for that specialty or those additional things that you add onto your car. And you're going to pay, you have a wait time. Yeah. You, you might, not, may not get that deal. And so the other piece is, you know, I remember going to car lots and no one would, of course, would pay MSRP. That's the, that's the appear <laughs> price. That, that's the sucker price. Yeah. And then you, of course, are going to try and, you know, they're already giving you a slash of, you know, however many, you know, $10,000, $2,000, something off that MSRP. And then you're trying to get it lower and you negotiate with them and whatnot. But those days, and honestly, they're gone. But in the midst of COVID, they made up to MSRP plus. They were doing premiums over MSRP, you know, a couple thousand dollars or so to, right. to go above the MSRP. And I, I think currently they're they're back down to MSRP type pricing, but I don't I've not heard anyone coming back saying that they're getting lots of discounts no. and deals and no think, interest loans. I think I think that the supply, the inventory is is getting better than what it was during the midst of the the COVID crisis. But what we're finding is the car prices are staying still pretty high. I mean, yeah. the, the if you're going to buy either a used car or a new car, you're still going to pay in that higher end level. There's not there's not excess capacity, I guess yeah. is what I'm and, saying. Which means there's not good like deals in the sense of a so steal deal. And the other aspect that's, that's been an interesting dynamic, and this probably is probably unrelated somewhat to COVID, but I think COVID just exacerbated <laughs> is is the, the the shift from a small station wagon or a, fall, a small coupe type vehicle right. into these larger SUV type vehicles. And that's not just that they're pushing into it. It's what people are self-selecting. Well, these, it, I call them the people haulers. I mean, they're the th- third row. If you've got a large family or you're carrying around a large number, I mean, you're carrying on over more, more than four people in your yeah. car. Typically, people are going to go get to that third row. Right? Yeah. And so a little bit bigger cars and those bigger cars cost more. And they uh, usually have a little bit higher profit margin. For so sure. They, they, there's some articles we're reading. that talking about the, the median price of a car has been moving up notably. But it's not so much that cars are just getting more expensive. They, they may be doing that as well. But the biggest item is that it's actually skewing which cars people are buying. And you know, as Americans, we're buying more um, larger people-moving cars that have just it, higher median it, prices. And you would think with gasoline prices mm. and all of the conversation about uh, environmental stuff, you would think the cars would be smaller, right? You'd be like a European type of car, mm-hmm. which is a, like a toy car. Mm-hmm. You know, you get into it. It's so funny to see a European drive around in this car that could barely fit one, and they've got two people in there. They have to ho- put their head out the window just to be able to drive down the road. Yeah. But we're not in America. We don't have that. We've got that, where yeah. I live. I'm surprised at the number of trucks around. Mm. I mean, these these are big, and it's more than just a utility truck to go back and forth to work. They got these big wheels. They got all this extra equipment mm. on it, and it's it's kind of a kind of a test of your manliness. I don't know. I don't but, know. Yeah, well, I mean, trucks even like to get to a fifty thousand dollar to a hundred thousand dollar truck is not unreal. Oh, you like, that, that's, real fast. Right, that's fairly doable. And so, people who are picking up you know trucks or large SUVs, 
uh, yeah, it's, it's a higher sticker price. Uh, so I think that's a big deal as we're shifting into these. Uh, kind of the other item uh, is cars just cost more. Like there's more in there. Like you're, it's not just a car in the sense that it has four wheels and it gets you around, but it, it's got you know technology, it's got Bluetooth, it's it's got connectivity, it's got heated seats. We're getting more for your money, but you're also just paying more. We for don't these have cars. heated seats. We have air conditioning. They even better. <laughs> Welcome to Southern California. Hit yeah. the button and it it blows air where you want it to be blowing on. Yeah, it, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you're getting more and more features in these vehicles, yeah. and it's funny even that you say you uh, with gas prices. A number of these vehicles have surprisingly good gas mileage. Yeah, not compared to today or yesterday, but compared to say 10, 20 years ago. If you go back to the early '80s and you look, I mean, I read a compare, I read a uh, an analysis on the amount of energy that was being used by a barrel of oil, mm. like in 1980. Now, again, cars back in the '60s and the '70s were really gas hogs. I mean, you were lucky if you got 10 miles a gallon on them, and they lasted 50,000 miles. Now, cars are getting. You know, uh, SUVs will get typically in the low 20s, you know, 20 to 23 miles per gallon, and they last longer. Most cars, I think, are pretty much equipped to last at least 10 years or longer. I mean, I think uh, Tesla has proven that if you take the internal combustion engine Mm. out, you're going to get tired of that car before it breaks and wears out. Mm. I mean, you're going to put a half a million miles on that car. It's going to last for a long, long time. So, again, I think the whole dynamic of automobile acquisition, use, whether you purchase, whether you lease, whether you finance, whether you use it for, I mean, again, and we, we're not even talking about autonomous cars, yeah. you know, cars that go around without a driver in them. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are absolutely frightened by that, but how, you know, how are you going to get in that car that has, you know, has a hologram as a driver in the yeah, front, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's the brave new world that's coming. Right. And I guess another piece of this, which um, we talk so much, but is, is also just that buying experience. You know, you walk into a lot, yeah, there there are so many commercials now on on TV or otherwise well, for between pharmaceuticals and cars. Yeah, right. You, you know, you know, you're watching the Super Bowl. You're it, watching it, football. It yeah. is cars make a lot of money yeah. because they are, I mean, back to back to back to yeah. back. And then the car commercials used to be Ford, Chevy, whatnot, but a lot of ones I'm seeing now are, um, you know, purchase at home, right? Sit on your your phone, find your car, they'll deliver. It's the it vending you. machine car, right? Yeah, the, yeah, you see them in these big towers. You you, right. you put in your code, and the car just comes out. And and CarMax, I think I read some of that. They're one of the largest dealers now. The used cars, uh, right? Yeah, used. They're all used cars. When it's coming out, but for for places like that, you know, they've taken out that that feeling when you drive into a, a used car lot. Oh no, what's going to happen? I got to negotiate. I got to you know protect myself. They and others like them have just said, "Here's the price." You know, it's yeah. not like a negotiation thing. It's the price, and it is, it made is it more, what it is. Yeah, made it more of a transaction. And and there's a part of that that's brought down these. Um, these barriers or these these difficulties. Well, I think technology has really helped the consumer because the mm. consumer can go on his on their phone and look up a price. I mean, we always hear these ads, you know, you know, check what's the Carfax, right? Mm-hmm. What's the Carfax? So uh, the consumer has more information in their hand, yeah. so they know what the price of that car should go for. Yeah, what's fair? If it's been an accident, they can get that information. They can pretty much get that at the moment. And that helps them in the negotiations. So 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that the consumer didn't have that information mm. right now. So you could have a flooded car or a total car that's right. been re- redone. And other than what it says on the title, you know, salvaged or whatnot, right. you may not know. Whereas today, like you said, you can pull a whole report in your hand. 
So it's, it's interesting when you talk about buying you know, used cars and new cars. It's it's a whole different. It can be a whole different world. People can still go to a car lot and have the exact same experience they did twenty years ago. But, but there's a, there's an article, and we're kind of taking some comments from this. But it says five ways that buying a car has drastically changed. This is an article from Wall Street Journal. And any of you listening to us right now that would like to have a free reprint of this article, we'd be more than happy to send it out to you. It's filled with a lot of good information, but it kind of talks about the trends and then currently what's happening and also going forward, what they feel is going to happen. But this, I think, will arm you with information to make you a better consumer, right? Yeah, that's great. We're going to pivot a little bit from from cars <laughs> to the economy, but it, it, it's it's talking about we have an analogy of cars, you know. So right. so stay we'll this, stay on this, this car. This idea. is the car car episode. That's right. Stay tuned. We'll hit you in the, the second half and uh, come on back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. We're talking about cars today. We just talked about buying a car. Now we're going to pivot a little bit to talk about portfolios. We're going to talk about a car that really matches your personality. Yeah. So the question being, would you rather have a Maserati or a Toyota Camry? I don't think I could even drive a Maserati. No, I can figure it out. I can, <laughs> I can drive stick. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, the question we bring that up is, is it's kind of we're using as an analogy to think about stocks. Would you rather have um, the, the the Maserati, the one that's exciting, it's it's fun, it's Ferrari? Great. Let's talk about oh, Ferrari. Ferrari, sure, Ferrari, right. or the Toyota Camry, which is candidly boring. Maybe we call it the beige Toyota Camry. You know? It's dependable, yeah, but it's dependable and it's driving. And part of this, when you, you compare this to stocks investing, and they, we're not prejudiced, by the way. I mean, American-made cars have similar cars oh yeah we're not picking on toyota that's true <laughs> yeah, that's they're just, a great car that's why we're great car. Yeah. but we also you know ford chevy yeah you know, i mean yeah so when you look at these two cars we'll just take the ferrari or the maserati compared to the camry um which one's better quote unquote uh it really depends what you care about um the math is clear on which one will get you around the town better right that's not even a conversation you know Ferraris, Maseratis, they, they take care, they take um, you know replacements, they break down, but they're a fine-tuned machine. Mm-hmm. Camrys are known just to drive and keep driving, you know, like a Honda as well. You just, they keep going. So the math on which one's a better quote-unquote investment in getting you around town is, is very clear. But which one, what's the point? Is it to, to be flashy? Is it to enjoy the driving experience? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, BMW came up with their what the ultimate driving machines or tagline. To say it's just fun to do and you know, yeah. fun to so so we're comparing that to when you build a portfolio. How, how much fun do you have in a five mile commute? I mean, come on, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, we talked about how, how much does that cost? Yeah, someone who has you know a high end race car type vehicle, 
Like when when do you get to when, do when do you actually like, experience yeah, that? When do you let it? When, when you're up. when you're in traffic going back between here and LA and Orange County and you yeah. you're bumper to bumper yeah. and doing twenty the, miles the an clutch hour. is killing you. you have to go <laughs> Come on. Um, so with that, so let's transition this into stocks. You know, there are these high flying exciting stocks that people have had for for years. I mean, there's a whole number of them that um, they come and go <laughs> over time that are exciting. Or there's a portfolio. So you have a portfolio of water cooler, like, hey, I got this one, I got that. You know, Bitcoin for a while was excited about that. The meme stocks were exciting about that oh, for a geez. while. Then you also have the Toyota Camry of investments to say, hey, I bought quality companies that some people never heard of. And when they get to earnings, yeah, they, I, I could give there. you a list of 10 stocks that have enduring quality. They pay dividends. And their stock value goes up and down, but over a ten-year period, they are consistent winners because yeah. they're they're just a product that is well needed. I mean, it's very well needed, but they're just well-run companies. Yeah, and the math, similar to a, a Toyota Camry versus a Ferrari, which one is going to get you around town? You know, the, which one's a better deal in the sense mm -hmm. of that? It, it's it's clear. It's that the Camry is going to be a better financial deal. The same with stocks uh, over the long run. These quality companies that are boring. But just good quality I like, companies. I like a boring investment yeah. that just pays me a continual dividend. They'll right? they'll over the long run will do meaningfully better than these. Hey, I got the hot stock. I got the you know this one going up and down. And so what we're talking about a little today is is how you put together a portfolio of holdings of stocks and just the philosophy behind it. I mean, we're not, you're not here to tell you which ten stocks to buy, but to say well, the idea. And so one is we'll just start with this: the mega cap eight. You know, there are eight stocks out there, you know, Google and which is Alphabet and Apple and Microsoft. There's you know, the eight of them that have just done phenomenally over the last you know, year, but also the next decade. They've dominated decade. the return since the first of the year. Yeah. And they're getting so big that they are starting to dominate indexes. Mm -hmm. So the, the way that these eight stocks go in, dictates how that index. So if you buy an index, let's say if I bought a S&P 500, which makes up the 500 largest companies that are publicly traded to sell their stock over the New York Stock Exchange. Those eight mega stocks made up nearly 30% of the total value of the 500. Wow. Well, that is way too much concentration. It's great if you're if you're if you're gambling and you're saying, I, I bet I bet this is yeah. gonna go. But there's going to be a time when the when the casino is going to call their chips. Yeah. And and to that point, the NASDAQ, which is a more tech-focused right. you know, group, they actually just did a rebalance of some of their indexes of limiting those because it bumped up against their guidelines. And so the question being, do you buy those right now because they've been doing great? Or do you avoid those? Because, yeah. man, they're so high. And part of that comes back to your philosophy of what you're looking at. So a few of the philosophies we'll talk through is, is one is the equity to bond split. Mm -hmm. So this was the traditional, I want 60% of my portfolio to be in equities. So right. stocks. You stocks, know. dividend paying stocks yep. or growth stocks, whatever it is. And, and I want the, the, the 60, I want the 40% to be in bonds. So fixed income, very stable. And people say the 60-40 portfolio, that's that's the best. And then if you're a little younger, maybe you want an 80-20 portfolio, 80% mm -hmm. in equities. And that was kind of the end of it, just to say, get a well-diversified you know, S&P 500 or S&P 1500, get a well-diversified equity holding, have some in bonds, and that's it. Let it go. So that's one. That has kind of gone away with kind of modern theories. And a lot of the reason it's gone away is because they used to believe, and it was true at one point, that bonds and equities would would respond inversely. Mm -hmm. So if equities are going down, bonds would go up yes, and it would protect your portfolio. Yeah. And our business is what we refer to as correlated or uncorrelated. Yeah. And you wanted you wanted a portfolio made up of 
you know, the growth stocks, but you wanted some non-correlated assets like bonds that help to kind of temper the volatility, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that has not existed in the last, you know, decade. They, they just did not held true. And so like with COVID specifically, we saw bonds and equities both dive at the same they time. They were correlated right together. Yeah. And that was not useful for some portfolios. So many people have shifted away from just a, an equity bond split into a number of other things. One other is sectors to say we want, you know, money that's in the health sector, we want money that's in the tech sector, mm-hmm. we want money that's in uh, manufacturing. And they either rotate them through, feeling that each sector is, is doing a different job at a certain time, or they just keep them and say, I'm diversified because this money is in tech. This money. So sector by sector is their philosophy. I want to be diversified right. across sectors. Another, which is is taking a lot of popularity lately, um, is factors. So it's it's not a specific sector, but it's a factor. So it's a a, a, a characteristic of a group of stocks. So how, can you flesh that out yeah. a little bit more? So one of the factors that we talk about is quality. So okay. a quality factor is a company that has um, a good return on the equity, that they have stable growth, they have moderate debt. Um, the idea of quality companies is if the world gets really tough, they're probably fine. They're not over leveraged. You're going to continue good. to buy tissue. Yeah, right. Things, right? things that are functional. Johnson Johnson probably fits in that, I imagine, mm-hmm. um, these, these robust long-term companies. Um, the tech stocks that have a lot of momentum and they're going, they're not going to fit in that category. So, so quality is one. Another is value to say, you know, compared to the amount of profits they push out, their mm-hmm. price is very low. So people could look at a screen and say, I only want to buy stocks that are kind of undervalued at the moment for whatever reason. And, and so they call it value. And cheap doesn't necessarily mean bargain. Yeah. Uh, cheap doesn't mean good, right? Right. You need you need to look at a stock and say, what is its potential? I mean, what what's its footprint in the marketplace yeah. that it that it competes in. So Warren Buffett, you know, traditionally was this value investor. He was looking for a low price for higher earnings and there was you know value there. So he would buy those. Um, he had a famous quote at one point, he says, better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. And that was kind of his public, uh, he had already transitioned, but you know, make it clear to the public, he tra- kind of transitioned from value investing to more of what like a quality investing. Yeah, and he saw he saw some really good opportunities. And you know, Apple is one of his biggest holdings in Berkshire. And Apple doesn't really fit the criteria that he invested in probably 15, 20 years prior to that. Yeah. Right? But then said this is a good company that has good fundamentals, good, you know, debt, good stable growth. And so he invests in that. So other, you know, I guess more exciting uh factors could be one's momentum to say, you know, forget about how the company's doing, <laughs> forget about their debt, forget about any of this stuff. Just look at their stock. And if their stock is moving up with momentum, there's some people who trade on factors will say, let's buy it. It's moving. It's got the people behind it. Let's go. And those tend to be more um, risky in that. Well, they're more short-term plays, yeah. right? Yeah. You'd run one for a while, then the momentum kind of stalls out and then you jump to another one. Um, and, and so as we think about a portfolio, you know, we re- compared to the cars, just to kind of say when, you, when you're building a portfolio, some people are looking for the water cooler conversations, just like they're looking for the Maserati. They want something that's fun and exciting to talk about. And others say, no, no, th- I want this to be around 10 years from now. Yeah, again, I want this I... to get me to my retirement. And and so as you build that portfolio, whether you're looking at the mega cap eight or the momentum, or just saying, I just want a quality stocks that are going to build my retirement. That's kind of the conversation. Right. And I think, I think, you know, again, for our clients, most of our clients, what they want is control. They want to be able to say, this is what I want, but they also want to be protected. And we do a lot of work on the back end making sure that what we're buying is in fact quality stuff. Now, mm-hmm. we can't control the markets. They're going to fluctuate from from moment to moment and from month to month. But at the at the long run, 
you know, if you take if you take a portfolio over a period of a year, five years, three years, five years, ten years, mm-hmm. it should have value and growth for your for your investment that you've made, right? That's right. That's right. If you've missed any part of this episode, you can find us on our website, tricoreadvisors.com, or you can look for us on YouTube. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.